This is Teeming with Ideas, the podcast that explores how people at work work together. I'm Carlos Valdez Depena, your host. Over the years, I've met some brilliant people who share my passion for collaboration. In Teeming with Ideas, I'll be speaking with these experts so that you can put them to work to make your work life richer and more rewarding. Enjoy. Welcome back, brilliant listeners. With me today is Sylvia Burberry. Sylvia, tell my listeners a bit about yourself. Okay, Carlos. I'm a New Zealander. I've been working for Mars Incorporated for the last 28 odd years. Had an incredible opportunity to work with them for a long time and done a number of roles with them in sales and HR and general management. And I'm currently running the Royal Canaan business for Asia Pacific and about to move to France, where I'll be running the Royal Canaan business for all of our emerging markets, so from Latin America through to India. What's Royal Canaan, Sylvia? We're really about improving the health of dogs and cats and making a tangible difference to their lives through nutrition. We have an amazing range of pet care products, including therapeutic diets, Mm -hmm. right through to birth and growth type products. It's just an incredible business. Sylvia is the only person I've had on this podcast who was once my manager. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I'm a little nervous about it. It was good times though, though, Carlos. I think we both learned and grew a lot during that time. We did. Sylvia, from my actually curious card deck, what's the most important thing that was omitted from your education growing up? You learn all this thinking stuff, but we don't learn how to be. Mm. I wish that I'd been taught how to take myself less seriously, how to stop and smell the roses. You know, I think you get on this academic treadmill. It's all about achieving, achieving, achieving. And it took me a long time to learn that there's a lot more to life than being a human doing. It's all about being a human being. (laughs) Yep. So listen, we're here to talk about teams, teamworks, all things collaboration. I want you to reflect for a moment on the first team you ever led. <laughs> it's so embarrassing, Carlos, when I look back that long. I mean, I I was would have been 23. I just had my first child and I was promoted to be a sales supervisor of a team of, of sales reps. I was a baby. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I was managing these people who were way older than me several men who'd never worked for a woman and sort of thought that this was, weren't very happy. And I was a bit schoolmarmish, to be honest. I look back and I did some things right. I genuinely cared about people. So I would get out and spend time in the field with people and get to know them. I think that was a bit that I did right. When we'd get together and run meetings, I was literally like, shh, don't be talking, you know, be here on time, you know, throw tests at people. It's all I knew. I'm terribly embarrassed when I look back on it now, but it was a long time ago and hopefully I've improved since then. (laughs) Was there any one lesson that stands out over the years? I think probably the power of relationship of getting to know people. I had one guy in particular who was really resistant. And, you know, I can remember spending time just sitting in the car, talking to him, getting to know about him as a person. Eventually, I think I wore him down. And, you know, when you start to get to know people as people, they stop thinking about you as their boss. And it closes that distance and it closes a bit the resentment. It builds a relationship where you can actually have 
a relationship and you can actually have a meaningful interaction and support somebody and develop somebody and grow somebody. Yes, and, and there's a lot to be said for wearing them down. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about being a female manager. You brought that up. I hadn't thought about it before. Mm. Did you notice anything along the way? Behaviors that had to do with the fact that you were female. I, I'm not even sure how to phrase the question because I've not been in your shoes. I think I understand where you're going. It was very apparent to me in this first instance because I was working with, you know, particularly older men who perhaps were very weary. And the fact that I was younger and a woman, and this is back 30-odd years ago, so this was really uncomfortable. I was conscious of it. They were conscious of it. But I think more recently I've become much more conscious of my innate style. There was times when I felt that I needed to conform more, my style, you know, business still and for a long time has largely been a man's domain. It's not as much today, it's changing a lot, but for a long time it was. And I can remember, for example, being told I needed to be more assertive and bang my fist on the table. And I didn't feel that that was necessarily me or necessarily going to make a difference. But at that time, that was sort of needed. And there have been many, many times where I've been the only woman in the room, particularly early in my career. Over the years, I've become much, much more comfortable with leading in a style that's very me, tapping into more of what I would call my female energy. So I'm a bit more nurturing. I'm probably more empathetic. I hate when you start talking gender because you start generalizing. And I don't like to generalize because at the end of the day, we're all different. Mm -hmm. I believe those things are real strengths. I know I'm a really good listener. That I think is a trait that has set me up really well as a leader, but it took a long time for me to feel comfortable and fully accepted for leading in a style that's completely authentic to me, if you like, without feeling that I needed to moderate a little bit to fit. You've done well with it. (laughs) Thank you, Carlos. And certainly in more recent years, I've thrived with it, I think. It's, um, you know, as as the world has become more accepting, I've become more accepting of myself. As you look back on this tremendous career of yours, can you think of an instance where you were a member of a team and things weren't squaring up quite with your team leader. As I said, I've worked for Mars Incorporated for a very long time and I've worked with some amazing people and an an amazing culture. But that doesn't mean that you always connect well with everybody. And I can remember one particular boss that I had and I was really struggling to trust. With the benefit of hindsight and years, just on a values basis, I tend to not be particularly ego-driven. I'm very much about the team. And so sometimes when I've worked with people who have more ego, I don't necessarily trust immediately. And this guy um, had a very different style, a lot more ego, and I was struggling to trust. And I remember this pivotal moment. Again, I was still young, in my 20s. I still can't tell you where I got the courage to do this, but I remember saying, you know, I, I don't trust you. And I, I tell myself that. I'm like, how on earth did I ever get the courage to say that? The thing that I've learned is once you name something, it mm. loses all its power. Yeah. If you don't trust somebody to tell them you don't trust them, that builds trust straight away, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless they do something crazy because mostly they're going to say, well, tell me more. It opened this conversation and I learned so much about speaking about the tension that I'm feeling and when you put it out there, it, it creates an opportunity to have a conversation. At one point in my career, when I was working for you, I had to have a similar sort of conversation with a person I was supposed to be supporting who didn't trust me. And I think about that incident in my life quite a bit, that courage that it takes to go there. And maybe courage isn't the right word. Are you familiar with Brene Brown? Yes, I love her. I'm working on trying to understand what it takes to cultivate that kind of psychological safety within yourself. I wasn't feeling psychologically safe when I sat down to talk to that vice president. Not sure you were feeling psychologically safe, but you did it. What is the way we can cultivate in people that kind of willingness to name what needs to be named? I've often thought back to that moment and wondered what it was that gave me the gumption, actually, (laughs) to say that because... Honestly, at the time, I think I sort of blurted it out. I don't remember (laughs) that I planned to have the conversation. But what I know it did is it created in me a sense of psychological safety to say things that Mm. might be really uncomfortable, becoming comfortable with discomfort. Yeah. The best advice I have for people is, To create that own safety for yourself, you have to try it. And I talk about this all the time when I talk to people about vulnerability. And when you first Mm. open up and become vulnerable, it feels incredibly risky. But as soon as you've done it, you realize it's not risky. It actually gives you more power in a situation when you name what you're feeling. The advice I give to people if they're going to present and they feel nervous, start by telling people you feel nervous because what you do is you engage people, you enroll them in supporting you. Like if if you're listening to somebody present and they say, oh, I'm really nervous, the first thing you think is, oh, I better be really supportive and encourage them and they're going to make sure that they feel comfortable. So they're feeling really vulnerable. They're feeling that they're taking a great risk, but what they're actually doing is enrolling the audience to support them. I remind myself of that whenever I go into a conversation where I feel a little bit uncomfortable. I've had some incredible coaches, and I mean not formal coaches, but mentors, peers, leaders, Even people who've reported to me, Carlos, who've given me great support and advice and and encouragement (laughs) along the way. I mean, so much wisdom I've gleaned from people. What's one piece of advice about working with a team that has stuck with you? Building high-performance teams. And, you know, you hear over and over again that every time you have a new member, you have to go back to the beginning. And, you know, we never want to do it. We've got this team that's working really well and we think that we can bring somebody new in and just carry on. But taking the time to really intentionally onboard somebody, not to the business, not to the what we do, but the how we do things, how the relationships work, what's expected of the team, team norms, that at least speeds up the process. It doesn't stop you from going back to the beginning, but if you take the time to really onboard them well, mm-hmm. I think it speeds up the process. It's interesting. And in, in the team in, that I'm leading at the moment, we're going through a lot of change at the moment. And I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, 
we're having another team meeting and we're having to onboard another person. And somebody said, can we just not onboard them? And can we just, and I said, no, (laughs) (laughs) I'm simplifying the conversation. And there are ways that you can not do the same thing over and over again. But I think that onboarding process is really critical. Let's talk about the pandemic for a second. I don't, I don't, I mean, things in New Zealand got better faster than in other parts of the world, as I know, you know, Um, But we've all been living with the reality of it, regardless of what country we're in. I certainly, from the work I do, how to be a consultant to teams when you can't be with the team, I've learned just ridiculous amounts. Some of it uncomfortable. I guess a lot of learning is. Um, (laughs) Makes you think about Andrew Fox, doesn't it? There's no comfort, in, no comfort in the learning zone and no learning in the comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering. I, I repeat that often. Yourself as a leader and about teams from working through this, this really unusual period of history. The first thing I discovered really early on was that people were in a different place. And, you know, I, I, I lead the, the China market and the Korea market, which was some of the earliest markets to be hit. I work in a global team that's based in Europe. We were in the middle of things in Asia-Pac and they weren't in it at all. And then Europe got hit and Asia-Pac wasn't in it so much. And I realised that we needed to meet people where they were at. And that's been my mantra through the whole pandemic which has been when we're virtual, really connecting to understand where people are at and giving time and space. And some people are having a great day and some people are not. Creating space and creating the environment for people to to connect and communicate on where they're at. You know, we always mm-hmm. as a team have had these check-ins when we meet. So I do it one-on-one when I connect with my team, but when we connect all together as a team, we actually allow more time for the check-in for people to talk about what's going on in their lives and their personal lives and their business life with their families. And what I've discovered is when you create that space to check in at the beginning of the meeting, it brings a presence and it brings a sense of connectedness, even over long distance, that I think has sustained us. I had an instance recently in a team that I don't lead where we didn't check in at the beginning of the meeting. And there was a lot of emotion, a lot of tension that got raised through the meeting that I think if we checked in at the beginning of the meeting, it would have been a very different session. And so that was a great learning that we then discussed and shared as a team. And the next meeting that we had together, we all checked in and it gives space Mm. for people to unload or decompress at the beginning of the meeting so that they can be fully present for the rest of the meeting. Was that something you intuited at the outset or did that take you a little while to count on to? I think I intuited very quickly this need to meet people where they were at. To me, it was intuitive. Just check in, ask people how they're going and do that in a genuine way that really encourages a response. I had an aha moment when I was having a particularly rough time. My son had just had a bike accident. I was in Singapore. He was in New Zealand and, you know, he was in the hospital and I couldn't get back to him. I was working ridiculous hours and and my daughter then got stuck in Europe for a while and was having a really difficult time. And 
I was having all these conversations with people and I realized at the end of the week that I hadn't shared with anybody how I was feeling. And the Mm. reason I hadn't shared with anybody was because nobody had asked. And I always ask. And so I realized that I, I just had an aha moment perhaps about my own leadership that what I see to be perfectly normal and checking in with people and making space isn't necessarily something that everybody does. And, you know, I, th- I work with fantastic, lovely, caring people. So I don't think it was an intentional miss, but I realized at the end of the week that nobody had asked. And yet I'd asked loads of people how they w- were during that week. And so it was just an interesting reflection mm. on the things that I perhaps take for granted in myself. I don't think about a time when something just went right with a team, a peak moment for you as a leader. I don't know. I, I think I've been lucky to work with some amazing teams. I mean, every team I've worked with, I end up thinking, this is the best team I've ever worked with. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I don't feel so special anymore. <laughs> there are moments, I think, when you really get the flow. And I mean, I remember that transition team that we worked with, Carlos, when it, it was it was a difficult environment that we were in. We were really managing a pretty big change I have a vivid memory of an after-action review where the truth that the team was able to pull together, the reflection on what the team did well and the ability to actually reflect on what we could have done differently, on what the business could have done differently. And the I remember the energy. I think we had a two-day mm-hmm. off-site session, but the energy that we created in terms of reflection and generation on the, this this huge piece of work we'd done where we got to, and, and I think how proud we were of, of what we'd achieved. I could think of yeah. numerous instances where... The team just flows. The, what, the thing you've just discussed was a big project and full of bumps in the road and complications. But was there a time when you faced into a tough situation that was in the team and you were somehow able to get them through it? I was running the New Zealand business. We'd had a massive turnaround in the year and we'd finally got to a really decent profit shape. We were doing the operating plan for the following year and we realized that the exchange rate had shifted and it was going to eat all the profit that we had turned around the year before and take us back to square one. Honestly, I looked around the room and nobody believed that we could get through and and actually improve our performance. We didn't know how to do it. And I had no idea what we were going to do, completely outside of our control. And I remember getting the team together and saying, look, I'm confident that with the brain power that we've got in the room, we can figure this out. What are the options? And let's brainstorm. And we engaged a few extra people further in the organization. And we came up with a few ideas and we came up with a few more ideas. And then we sharpened those ideas and we broke into small groups and we put together a plan. We ended up completely reviewing the portfolio. We ended up with a plan that we were going to grow less but make more money. And in the end, we actually exceeded the plan um, and delivered a phenomenal result, bringing the power of the collective intelligence. And when you don't know, just building confidence. You know, I remember your questions. Well, if you did know, what would the answer be? I often go back. I mean, I think you have to use that question carefully. But having confidence that, we can find a way when we harness the collective. Pizza always works. Stick a bunch of people in a room with pizza. (laughs) 
<laughs> and, you know, the, the collective intelligence will prevail. The words I hear come up, reflect, truth, confidence. It's easy to see where a team could benefit from hearing those words and working with someone whose vocabulary was centered around some very foundational concepts like that. Thanks, Carlos. You're welcome. That line manager who's just gotten that first job leading people. <laughs> what would you advise them? Just set them on a path towards a good career as a leader of teams. My big idea would be really simple. Uh, what I would say to any line manager, new, young, or otherwise, is treat people like people, like whole people. Respect them for who they are, and they'll bring their absolute best to whatever they're doing. I think too often we get focused on the task or on the people at work. You know, my passion is about creating a space where people can bring their whole self to work, where I can be my whole self. I know that I'm best when other people are able to bring their whole selves and be their whole selves at work. They can be at their best collectively. And I think we sometimes forget that we are people. We're not workers or whatever the job is. I believe when you really treat people like people, when you respect their whole person, they will bring their absolute best. Tremendous advice. I want to thank you, Sylvia Burberry, for bringing your whole self to this conversation. <laughs> Thanks, Carlos. It'd be lovely to catch up again. And to my listeners, I will look forward to connecting with you in the next Teaming with Ideas. Hi, I'm Janet Aldrich, producer and director of Teaming with Ideas. Thanks for listening. And thank you, John Wallerich, for the music. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, review, and share. Want more? Visit Carlos's blog, Teeming with Ideas, at carlosvdapena.com. Questions? Click on the Contact Carlos button, and we'll answer promptly. To be interviewed on the Teeming with Ideas podcast, visit carlosvdapena.com forward slash podcast dash contact and complete the questionnaire. Thanks again for listening and keep on teeming with ideas.